Hello and welcome back to another episode of our Generation on Air. My name is Alex Pullimore and there are plenty of topics to cover this week. Uh, from the win at Watford to last night's victory against Hull as well and some transfer rumours, I guess you could call it, in between. Joining me this week to discuss all this is our usual duo. Firstly, we have a man who probably is still hungover from Carnival. Welcome, <laughs> Micah Chadley. Good evening, and yes, you would be correct in assuming that. Well, I'm guessing that you had a good time, so that's all that counts really, isn't it? So. I had a great time. A lot of QPR shirts there as well, by the way. Which is lovely to hear. Yeah, it was Arsenal and then QPR, the most popular teams that I saw at Carnival. So Beautiful. Uh, also joining me and Micah this week is a man who ruins the simple, spontaneous and beautiful game of his analyst pieces, Stan Lambert. <laughs> what, what an introduction. Um, most probably won't even know what you're talking about there, but no, you know, I love it. Quite right. Um, also, later in the pod, you'll be hearing from Swansea fan Alid Biston from their point of view for this Saturday's fixture. Uh, but first things first, we're going to talk about our transfers with the window closing very, very soon. Um, there was a bit of a bombshell dropped last week before the Watford game by West London Sport, as it so often is these days, uh, where it was claimed that we could be potentially looking to sign at most five more players before the transfer window shuts. One of these players have already come in, in Liam Balligan, the centre-back who was most recently playing for Rangers. He signed on a one-year deal uh, and was actually on the bench last night for the game against Hull. Uh, this is kind of all after Bill was worried about the, I guess you could call it naivety of our back line and the fact that they needed a bit of experience there. Potentially, it also meant a shift in formation. Uh, it was also suggested in the article that we'd be looking to sign a left-back, centre-mid, striker and a backup goalkeeper to strengthen the spine of the team, which I think is what the phrase was used. So when this news dropped last week, guys, what was the uh, sort of instant thoughts around it? Was it uh, a heart attack or was it a moment of joy? Um, probably wasn't a heart attack, but... I mean, to me, it, it reeks of panic, really, specifically with the bringing up to five players. Um, the comments about the midfield, I think it was at that point, um, probably did wonders, as we'll touch on later um, in the last two games. But, yeah, I don't know. There's a lot of short-term deals, a lot of loans potentially coming, coming in that isn't really what I want to see, um, particularly when we brought in a few, few loan deals already. Um, and then, it's, well, firstly, it's not really squad building, is it? Um, and then it just gives us a load more to do next summer. But specifically on the system, I thought that was a weird one because we've kind of, we haven't specifically recruited to a certain system, but the the profiles we've brought in suit that back four system that we play, or at least a few of the back four systems that we've implemented so far. So, yeah, it was a, a very weird article. Came out of the blue, didn't it? Um, and hopefully then over the next day or two, it might make a bit more sense. Micah, you got any thoughts on this? Yeah, for me, um, the, the number of players was was a bit of an 
was alarming but I always I always you know when you see the up to five thing normally it's never going to be five normally it's going to be two or three and it does seem like in recent days that like that's been reported that that's the case that maybe there's two more coming in um the thing that that worried me more than anything um similar to Dan was the change in system obviously um like you said we've got Alid uh on the pod a bit later um he talks about how Swansea have changed system like three or four times um already this season you know we're what six games in now um and for us it's, it's more of a worry that not so much for me it was not so much the players that we'd bought to sort of fit that style it was more the fact that you know all through pre-season we'd kind of played with this back four and you know I personally as I've said on the pod don't think we've actually played badly this season obviously this is prior to the last couple of games I don't actually think we played badly this season we just haven't quite got the rub of the green so to see that you know he was thinking of switching to a back three that to me felt like hmm you know panic um of insecurity fear it was it was it was all a lot of like do you remember get a lot of my QPR sort of emotions just come from like PTSD do you remember um when we used to when we were playing free at the back with Redknapp and we spoke all summer about playing free at the back and then we got spanked by um Spurs I think and then we just went to a back four and it was like wow we bought Isla who's a wing back we bought Vargas who was meant to be playing in like a three four three um so it was just like for me it was like oh god this again um so yeah that, that that's that was a worry for me yeah as soon as you started on that sort of do you remember I had a feeling I know exactly what you were going to say there yeah um yeah the back three move I personally you know I didn't mind it under Warburton and it clearly worked out well and I was willing to sort of um put up with it considering that it was actually proving to be quite useful for us and getting us results but if I was to pick a t- or set up a side, I'd never really personally go for a back five slash back three. I'm not really a fan of it, even though it's getting more and more trendy, I guess, throughout the championship um, yeah. at the moment, which is, I don't, I maybe Dan would be able to eventually put a sort of reason on that, but I can't really think of a reason off the top of my head while it would be so trendy. Um, if I had to guess... If I had to guess, I would say that um, there, there's a correlation between teams that play three at the back and teams that kind of overachieve a little bit. So so I don't think anyone would have said that um, Chelsea would have won the Champions League a couple of years ago um, when Tuchel came in. And I'm not saying that the reason they... I'm not saying that the reason they won the Champions League was because of that, but I think it does kind of... Because so, it just gives you that defensive stability. It helps you a bit. But I'm I'm with you, Alex. I feel like we're at the point as as a club now where we can take that risk and we should be trying to play on the front foot um, week in, week out. Um, and I think probably this weekend's result probably showed that a little bit. Yeah, I think the one from this whole sort of story is, for me, that's the most problematic would be the, the talk about the midfielders, specifically in the article, Andre Dezel and Stephanie Hansen were named as two players that could potentially be out in the cold. Now, we don't know sort of 
how much of this is speculation, how much of it is sort of filler, I guess, as well. Um, it, when I, I think I said to Dan about the system change, I kind of I said to him that I kind of hope that it's Beal suggesting that with the signing of Balogun, we could go and do this rather than just sort of, we're going to go into a back three. The signing of Balogun allows us, if need be, to move towards a back five. It, should that be something that fits a particular game or should we be going through an injury crisis or something like that? That's what I kind of hoped. But there's been more and more since then that kind of maybe suggests that that wasn't the case, I don't think. Um, which again, I don't think is ideal considering how well we've played in the last couple of games. Regardless, like I said, the midfield issue was something that I really didn't like. The idea of basically getting in a couple of Villa midfielders potentially, because that's kind of where we're all looking at at the moment, isn't it? For these signings, they're meant to be coming from Villa because Beal's texting, Snapchatting, calling, doing whatever he can to get something off of uh Gerard at the moment. Um he's in his DMs. He is in his DMs. Like and it's and Gerard's got enough on his plate at the moment because he's realized that he can't actually manage without Bill. Um Ooh. <laughs> controversial. Uh but look the, the idea of just sort of you, you know okay Johansson's probably at the end of his career here and we might be his last club if not he'll have one more season elsewhere beyond us. The Zell, though, is someone that we bought with the view of surely developing, maybe taking, seeing like a lot of potential there, but you know, understanding that it might take time. Just to sort of the idea of bombing him out, just sort of fit someone like, I don't know, I think what's the name that keeps on getting mentioned? It's Tim Roganbum or something like that, if I'm saying that right. What, what What's the point of doing that, especially when you've already got a loan? midfielder that we have an obligation to buy and you've got Amos injured as well unless they're coming in for cover they shouldn't be instead of Dazelle at this point should they no I don't I don't I'm not sure if they're instead of I think I can't say his name I'm going to butcher it but I think he's a quite a different profile from what I've seen briefly of him um he's more of a number six more someone that can break up play a uh, bit like field um I don't agree with the whole leaving them out in the cold, though, especially how we paid. I think it was up to a million pounds for him. And like you say, we kind of need to need to nurture him, develop him and kind of try and sell him on for bigger money. Um, but I don't know. I think we've got we need we probably do need another profile in that midfield if we're going to get one, because, well, we've got two playmaker types in Dazelle and Johansson. We've got Richards and Amos who are kind of similar profiles and then. There's no one really in that side that can, if needed, cover for field if he's injured or suspended or whatnot. So I, I'm not against bringing him in, but I think the way they worded it in the article was a little bit different to what I'd assume. Yeah. Um, let's have a look then at actually the one one we did make in a bit more detail, Leon Balogun. Micah, um, any thoughts on how good of a signing this might be? Is it a decent bit of business just on a one-year deal? Yeah, you know, everyone had a little bit of a meltdown um, on Twitter because of his age. And I think everybody sort of drew for the uh, Warburton was sacked for, for this kind of thing. I'm not necessarily sure that's completely why Warburton was sacked. And I, I wouldn't say that we've gone back to, um, what's it called? 
sort of just doing whatever the manager wants. I think there was definitely sort of space for an experienced head on a one year. This this guy's clearly, you know, very experienced, as, we, as obviously Bill's been saying. The last two games he played was a Europa League final and a Scottish Cup final. You know, we don't have anybody in the squad that's kind of played at that level. Um, I'm going to assume, I think Bill said um, pre-Watford, pre-Watford, who did we play last night? Hull. Oh. Pre-Hull, he'd said that um, as soon as he heard Balogun was available, he'd been on the phone with him all summer. So I'm going to assume that means that um, Balogun probably maybe isn't on the money he was on at Rangers. Maybe then, otherwise, I feel like we would have got him straight away if that was the case. But I'm just assuming. Um, but for me, I, I I don't hate it. I think there was, as I said, I think there was definitely room for another experienced head. I think Adoma and uh, Johansson are our only players over 30 now. I might be wrong. I'm not sure if I've missed anyone out there. Um, so definitely room for an experienced head and on a one year as well. So I I I don't hate it. The the thing is with that is that he's clearly going to be, despite his, um, you know, apparent quality for being playing in those sort of fixtures as his last couple of games, he 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 might struggle. Would he struggle to get game time? I mean, uh, in one sense, I'm quite glad that he didn't come in sort of straight away uh, last night or against Watford when you've got two. Um, centre-backs who are settled at the moment and have played a lot of football together it would seem silly to sort of split them up for someone that's sort of mm. just come in it doesn't feel like on a whim because like the Clark sort of one I'd quite happily see him come back and play instead of uh, done because it would be more natural to have him there as a left footer and I think that, mm. that would always be the plan but at some point you've got to use him and he can't be on, so he can't have reduced his wages that much. I think it was rumored about thirteen thousand a week he was on at Rangers. So he can't, he, you know, that he would definitely be. If you put in two and two together, you'd assume that he's at the higher end of our um, wage bracket. So it kind of, I guess, we are well covered now for that centre back position. I kind of it just felt like it's blocking off. Masterson a little bit if he's not going to get a loan. Um, I guess we look a little bit light right now with Clark Salter injured. But now you've got four players that would quite like to start at centre-back for us. So, I don't know. They just Dan, what's your sort of thoughts around it? Um, well, I spoke to a Rangers fan uh, on him the other day and he said good things, obviously, like most did. Uh, decent air, really good on the ball. Uh, decent turn of pace as well. Um, the one thing he said with an obvious caveat was he's not going to be able to play a three-game week, maybe not two-game week. And I, I heard that and I thought, well, that's it's not the end of the world because, what, we didn't really expect that for a year deal. But you look at it and, like you say, where's he going to play and when's he going to play? And if you, if, you, if you put him in one game and he can't play the next, there's... For me, there's question marks about like, is the defense going to be stable enough? Is it going to because we're not going to have partnerships if we keep chopping and changing? So, I don't know. I think there needs to be some stability in kind of our centre back partnerships. I think, well, before he came in, we had three very good centre backs for the level. Um, but it does leave a lot of questions as to what 
how we're going to use him and specifically what what wage he's on with that kind of role on the team. I think as well, if we do move back to a back five, then naturally you're taking probably a midfielder out of the game. Um, so then this potential signing of, uh, which seems most likely I'd say at this point, because the other signings mentioned a, a reserve goalkeeper and a backup left back. There's no real names being mentioned at all about that. So, you know, the ones that seem most likely at this point perhaps would be a striker and a central midfielder. The, what, what would be the exact point in signing a central midfielder to then sort of not play a formation that would encourage a lot of use and a lot of requirement to rotate defend a central midfielder i don't i don't quite i don't love it basically i could be you know most likely that i'll be proven wrong and he'll become very useful at some point throughout the campaign but you know off off the face of it i'm not thrilled i'd say by it all mm. i think i think maybe that we saw him use masterson as a as a defensive midfielder didn't we in pre-season i wonder if maybe He's thinking, right, I can't maybe if I can't get a defensive midfielder in, we'll just stick with him. Yeah. I don't know. Well, it's always an option, isn't it? Um th- there isn't anything else really concrete from this because I think the transfer window ends tomorrow, am I not mistaken? Eleven PM tomorrow, yeah. So, you know, okay, apparently according to uh David McIntyre on Twitter, yeah. I think that was a quote. There are movement on transfers. Groundbreaking. I don't know whether that's movement in the positive or movement in the negative, you know? Like, it could mean that, that Archer isn't even further away than, you know, signing for us. Uh, <laughs> you just see Everybody's... all these things flying around. You know, he's now got an injury, which of course means he's not actually injured and he's actually on his way to QPR. Um, I don't know. Well, it's, it's, it's interesting. I, I wonder if he'll even move on because... T- Today. I mean, as we speak, Blackburn, they were linked with him. They've just signed somebody. Right. And I think a couple of the other teams in the race for him have signed strikers. So will he even move at this point? No. If he's going to move, you would think he would be going like sort of back to Preston or maybe to us just because of the links that are there. But they haven't bought... They, they, they said that they weren't letting him... Yeah, they, they said they weren't going to let him go. Um I, you know, you never know what's going to happen with it. Um, but I don't think there's any more point in talking about Archer really is there, Dan, because it kind of feels like we just go around in circles, doesn't it? Yeah, uh, I've given I've given up on it long long time ago. I yeah, uh, I'm resigned to the idea that we just won't get a striker. To be honest, I, I yeah. So moving into the performances against Watford and Hull, the comments that Bill made about his midfield. Was this all just mind games? That's what that's what a lot of people said. To be fair, after the Watford game, um, yeah, maybe he's a good man manager. Uh, I don't know. Um, they definitely over the last two games proved their worth, particularly the um, uh, Steph and uh, Dizel. I mean, Field Field's consistent most games, but um, Dizel and uh, Johansson looked very good in, uh, on Saturday and Tuesday night. Yeah, so um, I was at the game last night. Dan, you went to Watford, didn't you? Yeah. Mike, are we right, able to make it to either of the games? 
No, I didn't. I didn't see the Watford game, but I watched the whole game on the Plus Pass. Right. So this was all quite fun, wasn't it? Like, <laughs> which is you know kind of you know not saying it's been a long time without QPR being fun. It was only sort of half a season where it went a bit sour, but this was this was really fun to see, wasn't it? Just a couple of games where you know. How we played them off the park in the first half, and Watford, we go and go toe to toe with one of the, I guess you could call them one of the better teams in the division, purely because of their money and where they've come from in getting relegated from the Premier League. So this was just good fun, wasn't it, Dan? Yeah, definitely. Um, the Watford game in particular, I thought, like you say, against better, um, better opposition. Um, we went toe for toe. We, I think we went better personally, um, and we weren't afraid to take risks, particularly with that uh, that high line we saw um, caught us out for the first one. Whether that was a handball, I honestly don't know. But we, um, considering they had the likes of Jao Pedro, Ismail Assar, both back in the team, ironically, um, we managed to deal with them uh, pretty well. But obviously, Pedro scoring the goal. Yeah. Um... And I guess the goals are a little bit disappointing, I have to admit, from a defensive point of view. I think we can do better on both of them. Um, but let's start sort of chronologically and look at Chair's first goal of the week. Bit of luck for that one, isn't it, Micah? Uh, just, a, just a tad. <laughs> um, but I don't know. I, I think um, Bill said it. I feel like we've deserved just a just a shred of luck, to be honest with you. Um God knows what he was doing shooting from there, but I'm glad he did. It seems that Chair's returned to the sort of... Because I know uh, Warburton never liked the idea of us shooting from range. He thought it was a waste of, a, I guess, a good attacking move. But that's kind of the return to the Ilias Chair that we saw on loan when he... Was it Stevenage he went on loan to? And he kind of terrorised League Two for a short mm. period of time with... An insane amount of long shots that just went in, and when when you've got a player that does that, I think the feeling's always been, why are you sort of encouraging him not to do that? Let's encourage him to do that a bit more. And the goal against Hull, I mean, if you got a bit of luck in the Watford one, there's no luck in the Hull goal, is there? It's perfect. It's beautiful. He li- mm. he just he doesn't even hit it that hard. He just sort of lifts it off the ground, mm. just guides it into the top corner, doesn't he? Yeah, and it's these yeah, sort of performances yeah. from him that are just kind of gonna. Because I think I've mentioned it in the past. I've always felt like, whilst he's brilliant, I wouldn't be surprised if he didn't move on from us. Um, but just because mm. he doesn't have those sort of really glamorous performances like Eze does and like Willock does, but that that is the performance that's going to get you noticed, isn't it? Yeah, for sure. I I, I think the thing with Ilias is. Really and truly, we we've seen bursts of form from him before. Um, maybe not quite as good as this. I don't think he's ever quite looked as good to like since the start of the season. I know he had a little bit of a shaky start, but like everything just looks so so much better. I can't explain it. Everything just looks so refined, so assured. Um, but he needs to put it together over a whole season. You know, he was in really good form before he went to Afcon last year and he came back and he didn't really you know get back into it there's a number of reasons why that could have happened but 
yeah, if we if he can put this together over a whole season, I can't see why um bigger clubs won't be sniffing around them. It's also just worth saying right now, as of the time of recording, which is half past six on Wednesday evening, Archer and Roganbum are both in the side or on the bench for Aston Villa this evening. So oh, there we go. I think that effectively rules it out, doesn't it? Looking at uh, way. So um yeah. I mean Again, a big story from this weekend is the link-up between Cher and Willock. Dan, every time... I mean, Willock is in a great run of form as well. He's scoring a goal every single game he plays in and good goals as well. Every single one is a fantastic finish placed into the bottom corner or placed just out of the reach of the goalkeeper. You know, how well is he playing right now? Uh, yeah, I mean, very well. Uh, probably one of the best best players in the in the league right now. I think is it four and four for Willock. Um, yeah, yeah. I mean, he looks so confident. He looks as well. It, it reminds me of Eze, the uh, the upper body strength. I think he's definitely belts in the gym somewhat because I think it was the Watford game in particular that he just looked like he'd shrug off pretty much any defender in sight. I think there was there was a moment where he's on the on the uh, byline and CRL to kind of just just pulls him about and he manages to spin him. Um, yeah, I mean, the injury, I'm, I'm surprised that no one's really come in for a bid yet or had any interest. Um, obviously, we don't want that, but um, maybe the injury scared him off slightly because he's in red-hot form at the minute. Now, to be fair, sorry, just to touch on that, um, something that really went under the radar about a week ago is that Beal said that actually there has been interest in some of our better players. Um, but apparently it's it's price tag. Um, so for those of for those of us that are still upset about however much Luke Freeman went for a couple of years ago, I suppose that's an encouraging sign, isn't it? That you know we're not budging from our price tag, even though we need the money. Yeah, I guess there's. I mean, I don't think we were so well. We're obviously in need of the money, otherwise we wouldn't be charging thirty five quid for an away ticket. But like, <laughs> I think they are recognising that there's a better chance of keeping this squad together and getting promoted within now on next season. If they do that, if you sell one of Cheryl Willock, you've got to start again, haven't you? Um, But, you know, you kind of compare, you don't actually know what the sort of, what, what the value is going to be for them. What, what would be a realistic value for Cheryl Willock right now? Because is it, uh, Jacobson from Preston, someone apparently bid over seven million for him. You know, he's a pretty decent championship striker as it goes. But what about one of the best talents in the division in in, mm. in Willock? A couple of seasons ago, one of the best talents went for just around twenty million with add-ons, I think, in the form of Eze. So what you know, what did few... um what did Keen Lewis Potter go for to Brentford this summer? You know what? Just because it's Brentford, it's probably like a really stupidly small amount. So, like, I- I'll look it up. Yeah. Uh, does anyone? No, it was nineteen mil. Nineteen mil. Nineteen mil. Okay. Well, there you go. So, yeah. arguably, like, it doesn't. It wouldn't be stupid if. I mean, it's stupid money, but like, you wouldn't be surprised if they're looking for something twenty-five, nearly thirty, especially. Well, obviously, some of the Lewis Potter, that money obviously comes from the fact that he's, he's still 20, 21. Um, but even then, like, 
you'd have to say yeah, Willock has to be in and around that ballpark. Yeah. And it's just a stupid amount of money for a second division player, isn't it? Even though we know they're good, they're really, really good. It just shows how inflated everything is. Um, back to the actual game. There's a really nice moment that might sort of, I hope it doesn't go under the radar too much. Um, I feel like it kind of did because we played so well last night. Albert Adoma scoring the winner at Watford. To, not exactly two years on, but two years on or two seasons on from when he did that with no fans in the ground. How brilliant is it that he gets that moment with fans there this time? Yeah, it was. Yeah, it was a it was a great moment. I mean, it's fair to say the away end was in was in ruptures. Um, I think there was a few injuries, um, certainly along my row. Um, but yeah, I mean, he loves he clearly loves to score a last minute winner at Vicarage Road, or not last minute, rather a, a winner. Um, I think touching on that bit, I think I think Bill deserves some credit for making the change. Um, could have easily kept Dykes on. I thought he had a good game at that point, but it was clear when what Watford were trying to attack us, they were trying to kind of pin us and stretch us in wide areas because of our general shape. Uh, and by bringing a domer on as kind of more of a winger uh, to kind of nullify that and keep him Willock and chair on, I thought I thought that went under the radar a bit from Bill. Mm-hmm. Okay, um, there is quite a lot to cover, and we don't have a lot of time, so let's move on a little bit and focus on Ethan Laird. I mean, I saw him in in person, I guess, for the first time last night in the whole match, and I'm just, you know. I know he had good reviews, but my God, he is so good. And like you said to me the other day, Dan, how have we got this player online? He shouldn't be playing for QPR, let's be honest. No, absolutely not. Um, I think I I think I wasn't on the pod at the time we signed him, but I think I said to you, that Bournemouth loan spell where he only played five or six games must have really helped him, not decrease his value, but kind of make him available to us because when he was playing for Swansea, I thought he was unplayable at times. Um, I mean, we saw at Watford and even Hull, He's got pace to burn for days. Um, he, he's so good intelligently, like tactically as well. He knows when to underlap or overlap. And um, that partnership with Roberts, I think it was, was it Roberts against Blackpool? And then he showed, um, and then on the weekend and on Tuesday, he showed with Willock and Chair, he can just combine them. You got in, in those three, you've got three quality players that shouldn't really be in this division, I think. Yeah, absolutely. Um, also, I think we've, we've already mentioned Johansson had a fantastic game against Hull. Obviously, Chair and Willock were brilliant, and it's nice to see as well Powell getting a lot better. Um, mm. You know, he's fi- he's finding his feet, isn't he, Micah? Yeah, you know, we had a shaky start, but um, you know, um, we said it the other week. One, he's gone from playing as as a, I know, obviously our fullbacks are wingbacks already, but he's gone from playing in a back five. At his previous club, Beck Peck's well, obviously now to a back four. And obviously, it's a very different league, the championship. You know, a lot of Dutch players go to the Premier League and struggle to adapt. So, but he's come in, he looks, he looks really good. He looks he's better defensively than I thought he were going to be, especially sort of like in one-on-ones. Um, and him on Laird, him and Laird both sides, like just what a pairing at fullback. I mean, I, I, I don't want to jinx it, but Laird is giving me some serious, like, 2010-11 Kyle Walker vibes with the way he just gets up and down that way. It was funny. My dad my dad called me last night to ask if we've got him 
till Christmas or to the end of the season, like, <laughs> like we did with, <laughs> with Kyle Walker. Um, but yeah, those two, I'm, I'm loving watching those two at the moment. Yeah, absolutely. Um, where else can we go with this? Um, Highline, that's what I wanted to talk about. Does this Highline worry you at all or is this exactly the sort of thing that we need to sort of encourage us to get up the pitch and um you know press like we saw last night is it but yeah answer that question first then i've got another one for you dan you can answer that um i don't mind the high line um i think three of the back four probably have enough ability mobility to play i think dunn's been all right with it but i think i think the only thing with the center backs are We've seen across the last two games that um, either I think it might have been Pedro or and Estupinan um, last night, although he was offside a lot of the time, they love to play off the blind side of that far centre back uh, shoulder, um, and that's something we need to we need to be aware of because I mean as much as Dicky's mobile, he's not the quickest centre half, and neither's done. So I think if you bring Clark Sauter into that mix, I think. It makes the high line a bit better. Um, I don't, I don't mind the high line per se, but we're not really like a full-on pressing side. We kind of just press on more on triggers or kind of counter press in central areas, like we saw last night um, with a few turnovers. So I don't mind the high line, but it's definitely risky. So the high line and the sort of intensity of the performance against Hull in particular. I'm saying that in particular because I didn't actually watch the Watford game, so I don't know. I assume it was as intense as last night. But how likely do you think it is that we're going to be able to keep that sort of performance up throughout the season? Um, I don't know. I think I think yesterday highlighted uh, when we made our substitutions, either to rest, rest bodies or whatnot, um, kind of went more to a 4-4-2, which is more of a mid-block than a high, a high line. Um, I'm not sure we'll be able to maintain a high line for 90 minutes. I'd be interested to see. Um, we, I don't know. If, I can't really remember if we had the Highland the entire Watford game. I think we had it for the majority of the game. But, um, yeah, I think it'll be interesting to see long-term whether um, whether he sticks with that and whether we can last that. Micah, what do you think? Um, it's about keeping Sharon Willock on the pitch, firstly. Um course as well obviously the fullbacks play a huge part in that um for me honestly I did think there was a little bit of room for improvement in the in the second half anyway I think maybe the foot got taken off the gas a little bit and I'm not I'm not trying to blame him or anything but I think had Dyke sort of stuck that chance away I think we'd probably go on and maybe win by five or six so um I, I'm optimistic you know I don't think every every team is going to play as badly as Hull did against us last night but um i still think that there's there's probably another gear or two we can go up here i think the thing is though if we uh start the game like we did against hull yesterday we're not going to give teams much opportunity to play better than us if we keep doing that early on it's kind of it was in a in a sense a blueprint similar to the middlesbrough game score early goals and then just mm. not see what happens but like sort of as the game wears on um you're gradually becoming more defensive well if you're free um, to work in any game you're giving yourself a, a chance already so well, exactly exactly 
Um, you you mentioned it there. I didn't want to talk about it, the Dykes opportunity. There's no real point sort of discussing it. I mean, there isn't because what what, what are you going to say? What are you going to d- dissect from that? That he should have scored? Yeah, no, no shit. <laughs> <laughs> no, do you know what I would say? What I would say is that um, the reaction, I wasn't at the yeah. game, but you could hear it on the stream. The reaction was actually really good. Um, I'm not saying that's because I wrote in the programme that we should all get behind him. but um, Everyone sh- read it, Micah. Take. <laughs> <laughs> but um, <laughs> but no, nah, all, jokes, all jokes aside, um, it, was, uh, it was really nice to see that because, you know, I mean, we, we joke about Connor Washington on the pod all the time. I'm not sure he ever quite got um <laughs> no he ever, he ever quite think, got that more support i think i'll caveat that with it was nice to hear it and everything but if we were nil nil or one nil down the reaction would not have been as positive Probably um not. but i guess if you're gonna miss a sitter you do it when you're three nil up um yeah so he didn't stop running though his head didn't drop. He chased back very soon after that and did a fantastic side and tackle to in the sort of left back area. Yeah, and he was sixty yards for that, didn't he? Yeah, and it was crucial to be honest. Him and Chair working together, they were pressing really well as, as a duo um, at times. So, you know, I mean, I think a lot of it was Chair, but he was useful as well. Um, and to be fair to him, when he came on. Roberts didn't quite I, I don't know whether that's because we were sort of sitting deeper and we weren't trying to go on the front foot as much but Roberts wasn't really doing that um, so you know he, he offers different things uh, to other options up top at the moment um, so and I don't think uh, there's anything else really we can cover from those two games unless you, you guys think I've missed anything out Nope. The one, the one thing I'd say is we actually scored three goals from um, counter attacks this weekend. Um, and I think I touched on counter attacks last episode, saying what we need to improve on. Um, and it's just nice to see us being clinical in those moments because you look at that system and it's quite, quite orientated to hitting teams on the break when we win the ball high up. Um, and like, like we said earlier, it was two of them. Two of them released were, were very goals, uh, very good goals, rather, uh, from last night. So, with the Hull and the Watford results, the brilliant results dissected, we move on to the game at the weekend against Swansea. And to help us out with this, so that me, Mike, and Dan don't have to pretend that we know what we're talking about when it comes to Swansea City, we've actually got a Swansea City fan to talk us through uh, what exactly has been going on and what's happened to them during the start of this season so that's what you're going to be hearing right now so very thank you very much to Alad Biston okay so now for the Swansea point of view I'm joined by uh, Swansea fan and S4C journalist Alad so Alad welcome thank you very much for the welcome Alex Uh, no problem thanks for coming on Um, so let's get right into it Swansea um, not exactly the best start to the season um, what can we expect from Swansea this Saturday? What sort of style of play are we looking forward to seeing? I think it'll go for the standard play in the Russell Martin that you've seen, you know, the last year really, and what we start to do this season but hasn't been so successful really is that passing style of play, you know, playing out from the back, kind of building up 
from the back towards the front, really. It's not exactly worked for us this season. I think teams are beginning to suss us out a bit more now. And if I'm being honest, I think the players are just lacking a bit of confidence at the minute. Joe Allen came out and said the other day that the players need to have a bit more belief in themselves. And I think that's the main issue, really. There's no focus. It doesn't seem to be a leader on that pitch for me. No one really willing to kind of take responsibility and kind of, you know, right, let's let's take them from the ball from, from you, let's work our way up the pitch, you know, you're not really seeing that leader on the pitch. But yeah, what you'll expect to see from us is we will look to pass the ball out from the back. And, you know, if, if the option forward is never on, we're more than happy to play it back constantly. So and I think as accelerated teams are beginning to suss us out this season and they're getting to do the high press and then we're struggling and we're hoofing the ball away and we're losing the ball and we just can't seem to win it back really. So I think... Yeah, what you see from us is we'll we'll try work the ball up the pitch, but as we've seen so far this season, that's just doesn't not working for us at the minute. Um, so would you put it down to sort of a lack of, like you said, lack of leader? Is that the main issue that you've got here? Or is it something else? Is it lack of, uh, sort of someone who's going to sort of drive lack of talent in midfield or whatnot, or is it just sort of that lack of ambition? I don't think it's a lack of talent because the players we brought in, you know, brought Joe Allen, who's an experienced championship midfielder, he's quality. We've got Matt Grimes midfielder. We've got, we've got players that are, are, are you know, top quality, high end championship players that, you know, if you look at it on paper, we're a team really that could be pushing for the playoffs this season. So I think it is a lack of leader there. I think defensively, we haven't improved as much as I'd like. Obviously, we brought Harry Darling in from MK Don, so I think it's been a really good addition so far. But then again, he was on the bench against Middlesbrough, which I don't really understand. We brought in Nathan Wood, who, it's a bit of a strange one for me. You know, I think he's I think he's he's not exactly a, a player. You know, he's come from Middlesbrough, he's got a bit of one million pound price tag, but he's not to me, he doesn't look like he's all he's with it at the moment. And in terms of our defense, full full back, we have, you know, the hopes were to bring Cyrus Christie in after he was on loan at us last season. That was the big hope. That's what we were really hoping. You know, he was out of contract with Fulham. So we thought that's, you know, that's the that's the sign in for us, this this transfer window. And that hasn't happened. And we've brought in um Soranola from on loan from MK Dons, who for me doesn't look like a championship player. He doesn't look like he's there. He doesn't look like he's interested, really. You just not even from the way he plays, just the way you look at him. It just doesn't look like he's a championship standard player, really, which is a bit worrying, you know, that was where we relied on him and brought him in. And I think we're looking to bring him in permanently as well. But yeah, I don't think it's a lack of talent. I think, again, a lack of ambition. There's no real leader on that pitch. You know, you've got Matt Grimes there, who is, is a, you know, he's a quality player, but he just doesn't seem to have the squad together at the moment this season. And I think that's the main issue, really. And I think Russell Martin's trying a bit too much as well. We've changed formation about two or three times already this season. There's no consistency there. And I think if he wants, you know, the club to progress and do well this season, you've got to stick with a system. If it, you know, if a late draw in a game, you, you're two one down, whatever, you have to change the system then. That, you know, that's completely understandable. That's tactics. But I think changing the formation week in, week out, where there's the players, their roles are changing constantly. Yeah, you've got to adapt to the opposition you're playing against, but you've got to have faith in your own system as well. And it, pr- it proved last season that we, we stuck to a system towards the second half of the season that really worked. But I'm just not sure if that change of the system so far this season really works. It's funny you say something like that because last season uh, under Mark Warburton, we were all sort of bemoaning the fact that he didn't have a plan B and uh, Russell Martin's perhaps, like I said, trying a bit too much, a bit too early on. Uh, So it's interesting how it all works out like that. Do you think that the fans are sort of getting fed up with this style of play? Um, I know that from our point of view, when we've watched you a couple of times, some people have sort of mentioned how sort of I guess how robotic and sort of slightly dull it is, despite the fact that it's meant to be this nice sort of passing football that ideally we should all not all be aspiring to play to, but sort of like in some, I saw definitely saw some person sort of uh, 
say that it was kind of similar. It was as bad as watching sort of like just long ball stuff because it's not actually going to go anywhere. Yeah, 100%. You've seen already there's loads of fans that are just already calling for Martin to go and the style of play isn't isn't what it needs to be. But the ironic thing is when we were, you know, in our last season in the Premier League where that style of play went out the window and it was all about just trying to get as many points on the board as you can, just throw players forward and hoof the ball, long ball. People always say, let's go back to the Swansea way, passing out from the back. So it, it is quite ironic. But I understand the frustration. It's frustrating for me as well, watching as a fan, when you're two and down the last 10 minutes of the game, and you're trying to play it out from the back. That's the time where, you know, you need to kind of throw the kitchen sink in, just absolutely hoof the ball at the pitch. You know, that then you need to know when to switch those tactics up. But I think for I understand the frustration for a lot of fans, but if it's the Swansea way you want, that's what you kind of have to deal with. It's not always going to work. There's going to be periods where you have to try entirely opposition by passing on, around the back constantly and waiting for that gap. I'd much rather as play around the back and wait for that gap and play the ball and to try something. You know, if I've, if Carl Norton's got the ball uh, in centre back and he's just passing for the sake of passing, he gives the ball away instantly. There's a threat for the, the other team to score. So, I think fans need to take it with a pinch of salt, really, and understand this is the way we're going to play, whether they like it or not. But because you know that that's the way. We've always played really, and we kind of lost our identity, as I said, towards the the latter years of the Premier League. But for me, it, it's the way we play, and it's it, you know it has worked time and time again. It's just when that high press is on, it's really hard to play against. Uh, really hard for us to play out. Sorry. So I do understand the fans' frustration. It is very frustrating knowing when, when you are playing it from the back and teams are pressing, you're not going anywhere with it because obviously you want to watch a team win and score goals. But if this is the, the way we're going to play, this is our identity. You know, we've played some fantastic football at times and, you know, we've we've played teams off the park. And when that happens, you know, you, you know the system. It, it's worth playing this system. But I just I just think maybe we need to find that balance between playing out from the back and sometimes being a bit more direct, but not being direct when the risk is there. I think that's what fans don't understand, really, sometimes, is that you, you can't always play the direct route and you can't always play the passing route. Yeah, I mean, football fans are so fickle, aren't they? Sort of, one day you want one thing. We all know, we all know the sort of the story of that. Um, so, Russell Martin, do you reckon that he's under any sort of pressure to perhaps uh, get sacked? Do you think he's going to survive for a bit longer? What What's your thoughts on him? There are calls for him to be sacked. You know, I understand he is he is under pressure because there were a lot of hopes for this season going into it. You know, obviously, anytime there's a transfer window as a Swansea fan, you never know what's going to happen because we always have to sell in order to buy. And Martin said, now you know, unless we sell anybody else, the, the only players we're going to get in are going to be on loan. So we've kind of got a deal now with you know, this. This is the squad we've got. Let's get our heads down. Let's get a plan and, and let's build now because we've had some results this season that have been very disappointing. We've had one or two that you know, okay, that's a good result. I think Martin, yeah, you think he's a bit under a bit of pressure, certainly from the fans. I'm not sure what it's like from the board, but the fact that Joe Allen has said, you know, that the players are, are lacking a bit of confidence and belief as well doesn't exactly instill you with confidence that things are amazing behind the scenes, especially on the training ground. So I think Martin is 100% under a bit of pressure, but, you know, it, it's a position where he can thrive from as well. I think he's the type of manager that enjoys being under pressure. So, um, yeah, you know, I think he he acknowledges that 100% that the fans are, are starting to get on his back a bit now and if results don't turn, you know, I think the dreaded sack word will uh, certainly be at the back of his mind. Um, but I think 100% he, he understands the situation and he knows the fans are frustrated and I think he'll, he'll do everything he can to try and find a, find a way to resolve what's going on and hopefully we can pick up some points soon. Yep. Yeah, so 
you mentioned their transfers and it sounded like a very similar situation to what uh, QPR are currently going through. And I guess what, you know, majority of the clubs in this division that are trying to go about things a bit more sustainable and uh, sensible will find that familiar. So with a few days left on the transfer window, I is there any sort of position that you're looking to strengthen um, or is there any sort of particular signing that you've been really delighted with so far? I think fans will still tell you that the hope for bringing in Cyrus Christie is still there, but how realistic that is, I don't, I don't, I don't think it's going to happen. I think that was that was always the aim, really, from the start of the window. I think the plan was if Perot was to go, was to definitely get a new striker in. I think people knew that Joe Allen was going to come in just from the talk of the end of last season. So to get him in, I think, as a massive boost, not only because he's a quality midfielder, just because you know he's that history of the Swans. He was there from when he was nine years old until he was however old when he left to go to Liverpool. So to get him in, not only was was it a boost to the squad, but it was kind of a boost to the whole city and and the fans really, because it's it's great to have a player who who's loved by the fans back like that. But then I think the the last piece really we wanted before we knew who was leaving who we could have brought in then was Cyrus Christie because he was excellent for us towards the end of last season you know he's providing goals assists and when you knew his, his contract was out of Fulham you think okay you know we don't we're not we don't have to pay a transfer fee this is the, uh, the ideal signing for us so the fact that we've not been able to acquire him has been quite disappointing and then I think it's been not a disappointment but like it's the bringing in Sorinola into that position hasn't filled the boots by any means so I think Cyrus Christie would have been the the one you you definitely wanted again. I think a few fans will tell you that they wanted a new goalkeeper as well, just because Andy Fisher. We've always had a goalkeeper who's always been able to play out from the back and and you know he can spray balls across the pitch. And Fisher really, when he came in, wasn't the type of keeper that instilled confidence in you when when he had the ball at the back. He'd always be a bit bit panicky, a bit shaky. But I think he's kind of paid his fate, um, you know, re- repaid. Compared to the fans now, he's been very good. I think he just needed that time under Martin and the management to kind of adapt to that style of play. I think he's been all right so far this season. He saved the penalty against Blackpool as well, so he's a bit of a cult hero in that game. But I think apart from that, really, we, we've did, we've done really well, I think, to hold on to, to Patterson, Oberfemi and Perot, especially with the talks of Perot going to Leicester, the, the, uh, where the transfer started and um, just opened. So I think we're very lucky there to, to keep hold of Perot. Yeah, he hasn't been great this season, but, I, you know, I think... M- more time, more games, he, he'll find that form once again. But apart from that, I think, you know, we've done okay in the window considering how the, the owners don't really have much ambition and how, you know, as you say, most clubs you have to, to sell or to buy. So I think uh, overall, most fans will tell you that they're, they're happy, I think, but that I think it'll be a, a massive loss that we haven't been able to get Cyrus Christie back. Okay. And um, who from... <clears throat> the potential starting eleven at the weekend should QPR fans be sort of uh, concerned and worried about, and someone who's going to be real sort of threat to us because I know uh, Patterson, someone that we were linked with last season, so he'd probably be quite familiar to uh, QPR fans. But I'm not sure if many other players would be sort of familiar to our fans. Well, Pat- Patterson is back from injury this week- weekend. I've been told, so it'll be nice to get him back into the mix. Um, apart from that, I think Oberfemi is going to be a big threat. You know, he's not always in the game, but he's proved time and time again this season and towards the end of last season. He can make something out of nothing. He can get out. All he needs is that one run in behind, or he needs that one snapshot on the edge of the box, and you know, he 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 can he'll punish you. I think he's one hundred percent our main threat so far this season. Um, Perot as well. Obviously, this season he hasn't 
really started as as as, as he'd wanted. He got that one. He got his first goal of the season at the weekend against Middlesbrough with that penalty. And I think that'll give him a confidence boost. I think you know as a striker, all you need is that one goal, and then they start to flow. So I think he'll definitely be one that you need to keep an eye on because especially that link up between him and Obafemi as well. You know that they're very good together, and when they're both on the pitch, you know, I think any defense in you know in the championship should should be wary of that. But I think off the bench and Cham, he's looks a different player this season to last season. Obviously, last season he came in from from Celtic, I think, a free agent for a little bit. Um, and I think the talent was always there, the technicality was always there, but the fitness wasn't there. But now he's had a full preseason the Russell Martin, and he's had a full season to adapt to his style of play. I think he's going to be a dangerous player this season. He's going to be off the bench most games for us, but you know, if, even if he starts, you know, he, all he needs is that to play that one ball into Obafemi or Perot, and you know, you know, he's he's a danger. So I think. And Cham is 100% a player that has got the potential to be one of the best in the championship, in my opinion. It's just where they still need to work on that fitness a little bit or get more opportunities to start. But I think those those three, I think Cham off the bench and Obafemi and Pro will be, be the main threats. I think for QPR, if they want to exploit any weaknesses, then down that left wing against the Saranola right wing back, I think would be um, the, the main way for QPR to go. But 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 overall, you know, I think... Yeah, the, the confidence hasn't been there for us so far this season, but I'm hoping you know things will start to turn now with, with the transfer window coming to to a close as well. You know your squad, then you know who's there, you know who's not there. You can kind of start the form a squad and form a plan. And I'm, I'm hoping this weekend will be the start of that. Okay, and uh, what are you hoping for, sort of, come the end of the season, um, position wise, what what would be a good finish for Swansea? I think if it's before if you'd asked me this question before the start of the season, I would have told you anything less than maybe playoffs would have been a bit disappointing or you know, fighting for the playoffs because just because of how well we ended last season and you know, coming into the start of the season, the players that we managed to keep a hold of and, and one of the two of the players we brought in, you know, you'd think, okay, hundred percent this is gonna be a season where, you know, back to the Steve Cooper days where we'll be getting playoffs. But I think at the moment, going into this game, I think if you're lucky, maybe Top half of the table, maybe eleventh, like twelfth. I think we'll 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 be happy with that, just because the way we've started and obviously not been able to bring in Cyrus Christie was, I think, is is going to be a bigger loss than people realise. But but yeah, I'm I'm saying that I'm looking at our front three of Patterson, Obafemi, Pro, and I'm thinking that's not a front three that that the aim should be mid table, the aim should be playoffs. So yeah. I think with the mixed feelings you'll get between fans, really, some will still hope that we can get to the playoffs. And I think at the back of my mind, that's still something I think is achievable. But just going based off results so far this season and kind of the lack of ambition, it is looking like mid table. You know, if you ask me the question on this day right now, it is looking like mid table for me. Yeah. Okay. And a prediction for this weekend's game then? Um, this is a tough one, really. I don't want to. I never like to predict my team to lose, but I, 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 I know I'll that feeling. I go for a one-all draw. I think you know you, you've got a good squad this season, and then, um, but I am hoping that you know the the organisation and the kind of putting the heads down and working towards finalising that squad is going to happen for the Swans now. And I'm fingers crossed that'll happen. <laughs> that'll happen. Perfect. Uh, thanks very much, Alad, for coming on. No problem. Thank you for your time. Cheers. So, yeah, thank you uh, to Alid for coming on and doing that for us. Uh, I hope it's proven to be insightful and interesting. You guys did have a listen to it in advance. So um, anything that stood out for you from what Alid was saying? Yeah, it was really interesting for me because I was actually one of those people who watched Swansea last year and felt, do you know what, they're dead 
good football inside, couple pieces away from a playoff push. And I really liked the Harry Darling signing. So, you know, it's it's quite surprising to hear that they haven't hit the ground running as of yet. And that they're obviously chopping and changing formations. Uh, one win from six, I don't think, um, wherever you are, a Swansea City football club, you know, with, with the recent history, you're looking at that and thinking there's something wrong there. So I, I, I do wonder how much pressure there will be on Russell Martin going into Saturday. Yeah, and it's worth noting that at the time of recording, they've got a pretty winnable opportunity against uh, Stoke tonight. I think they are playing away from home, but regardless, you know, Stoke with a new manager and not in great form. So it'd be interesting to see uh, whether they come out of that with three points. Obviously, from our point of view, Dan, we'd want them to carry on losing so we can go into Saturday with us on a high and them on a low. But this could be typical QPR. Are you looking forward to the game? Are you optimistic that we'll be able to carry on? And is there anything from what Alad was saying that sort of stood out for you? Um, I'd say I'd opt- I'm optimistic, just purely on the basis that we've got got back to back wins and got a bit of bit of form in the um, in our favour. Uh, in terms of what Alad said, um, I think the interesting thing was about the pressing. Um, I think he said something about. Um, they struggle with, uh, in building up from the back against high-pressing teams. Um, I think that'd be interesting because I'm not too sure we'll change exactly the way we're playing to completely go out and press like full throttle. But I think we saw, I'm trying to think of the teams we played them um, back three systems against. I think it was in pre-season, uh, one of the games, I think Crawley game, which kind of showed that if we press off the triggers with the wide centre-backs, like Darling, like Micah said, who's a good player, um, I don't quite know who their left centre-back is, but we can kind of stop them through that. And then you've got the likes of Grimes, who's a very good player on his day. Um, if you kind of nullify them in the central areas, you're kind of leaving the wing-backs to kind of do a lot of their work. So I think it'll be an interesting matchup, And I'd like to see how kind of Bill reacts to kind of... Because Swansea are a very unique team in the way they play. Um, don't really see many teams play the way that Russell Martin kind of likes his teams to play. Okay, so um, with that, we'll bring this podcast to an end. Um, I don't think this week there's anything that we need to plug, is there? There's no articles out at the time being, is there? So, no, that's a shake of the head from Dan telling me, no, that is, I'm correct on that front. So, thank you very much for listening. Uh, Whatever podcast platform you're using to listen to this podcast please subscribe to us on it please give us a rating on it if you can there's people that are starting to rate us on spotify now and it's lovely to see so thank you very much to everyone that's done that so far um follow all of us on twitter follow our generation on twitter and keep up to date with everything from our generation through those platforms so once again Thanks a lot to everyone for listening. Uh, Thanks to Dan and Micah for coming on and going through what was a pretty freaking good week for QPR. Uh, Until next time, come on you ours.